Dear God, thank you for tonight, and thank you for allowing me this opportunity to speak your word. And I just pray that everything I say is, is you, Lord, um, and not me. And God, I just pray for the people in this room that you might open up some hearts and that they might see who you truly are for the first time tonight um, if they've never known you. And Lord, I pray that it will challenge the people that have been in church their whole lives to maybe um, relook at what your love looks like and what it means for their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So tonight we're going through Genesis chapter um, 11, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and pull those out. Um, If not, don't worry about it. It'll be on the screen and I'll read it right now. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from, from there over the face of the earth, and they left off the building, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So the story of the Tower of Babel is a pretty common story, um, but something that has been new truth to me reading this story is it's a beautiful illustration of how man's attempt at God can end in disaster. Um, This story is a bunch of people trying to get closer to God. The whole concept of the Tower of Babel was to elevate. They were trying to reach Mount Zion, which was where God dwelled, this holy place. And ultimately it left them confused and abandoned. You see, religion can have a dark side that can lead to not only confusion, but doubt and conflict. We have a modern day application. If you look at these pictures here, these are protesters for Westboro Baptist Church. You can read some of their signs. God hates fags is a common sign. God is a terrorist. And these are all people that believe everything that they're putting on these signs. They believe it because, biblically, it's the law. And unfortunately, what happens when you separate religion from relationship in the Bible is story after story of commandments that can't be kept, and time and time again where we see damnation. No redemption. Because when you remove the cross, when you remove Christ, there is no grace, there is no hope. You see, religion's a man-made attempt to reach God, but a relationship is God finding us. Scripture says time and time again, when we try to draw nearer to him, he will also come to us. It says that the Tower of Babel was nothing more than man's attempt to elevate. We have some pictures of actually what the Tower of Babel might have looked like. Can you flip those up there for me on the screen? These are just some examples of what the architecture might look like. And these pictures actually are potential structures where the Tower of Babel might have actually been. 
But ultimately, they're structures. They're things that you can see. Just like religion, they're things that you can do. They're things that you can see, but they're not things that can save you. It's nothing internal. It's all external. You know, Jesus spoke of this very clearly in his word by saying this. He said in John, my kingdom is not of this world. And when he was saying that in John, he was explaining that his disciples would have saved him from the cross if this was his kingdom. But what people didn't understand is his kingdom was in heaven. He was going home. You see, religion is defined by Webster as the outward form by which men indicate the recognition of the existence of a God. How many of you in this room have a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? Pretty much everyone under the age of like 35. Do people know you're a Christian because of your Facebook? Do people know you're a Christian because you tweet Bible verses or because of your header that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Do they think you're a Christian because you wear a cross around your neck or because you have a tattoo that says, I love Jesus? Or do they know you're a Christian because of the way you walk, the way you live, the way you love, and the way you serve? You see, religion is this mask. Religion is this front that says, I'm a good person and I love God. But a relationship with Christ will literally change who you are. It'll change the way you love. It'll change the way you serve. And it'll change your entire perspective. When the Egyptians are performing the mummification process on a body, they have it down pat to where they preserve the outward of the body while the corpse on the inside is rotting and decaying. That's what happens when we wrap our minds around religion but not relationship. You see, religion can actually become an idol. And that sounds so weird, you know, because you think you're doing all the right things by going to church, by being there every Sunday. But without Christ at the center of that, you're worshiping a practice. You're putting that above God, and it means nothing. You see, religion actually ends up being the opposite of what God desires. Religion says do, but God says done. Religion says slave, but God calls you his son. You know, I think of the woman who had just committed adultery and the Pharisees, the most religious people of their time, were saying, stone her. But what does Christ say? He says, I have grace for that. So, if we just rely on the religion, on the things of tradition and the things that we know, we're left standing alone, being prepared to be stoned. But with Christ, there's hope because there's grace. There's hope because of that cross. You say, you see, a relationship with Jesus is far more important than any religion. I don't know about you guys, but I've been a Christian for a long time. I was saved when I was six years old, and I don't remember not believing in God or knowing who he was. I don't remember a time where my parents didn't find it important for us to pray, for us to be at church. Um, I was always involved in Sunday school and things like that. But it took a lot for me to actually start to begin to understand who God was. For a long time, I believed that I had to do the right thing to look good in God's eyes. So I would climb up one ladder, I would go to church on Sunday, and I would pray at night. And I would show love to someone by serving. 
But then somebody would cut me off in traffic, and I would say a cuss word. Well, I'm back down one. Or I would lose my patience with my little brother and sisters. Oh, there's another one. Until I ended up back on the ground, exactly where I started, tired and feeling like I would never be good enough to be used by God. You see, I have a feeling that that's where a lot of us are right now in our lives. We're trying to climb this ladder and get closer and closer and closer to God. But ultimately, we can never reach the top. Because we live in a sin, sinful, broken world. The Tower of Babel was man trying to prove that they could do it on their own. And God said, no, you can't. You see, we don't have to worry about climbing up this ladder. Because when Christ died on that cross, he came down the ladder. And he said, take my hand, son. I'll take you home. On the day of Pentecost, God came down. At the Tower of Babel, we tried to reach heaven. One thing ended in utter failure, and the other thing changed the world. When Christ was hanging on the cross, bloody, beaten, and he looked out at the people that had just done it to him, he said, It is finished. See, sometimes when we rely on religion, we think we have to do all of these things to be good enough, to be able to, to serve God and to be good people. But I believe what Christ said when he died on that cross. It is finished. It's done. And as a Christian, we're not meant to be living our lives trying to climb up ladders trying to do the right thing because it's what we're supposed to be doing, because it's what the rule book says, because it's what we've been taught our whole lives. It's supposed to be a response. You know, you look at relationships that succeed and then you look at relationships that fail. And the ones that fail are the ones that are just forcing the motions, that are trying to do the right things, but it's always hard, it's always forced. The couples that thrive are the ones that love each other so much that they have a desire in their heart to love and to serve the other person, to put the other person before their own needs. And if we have the capacity in our hearts to love another human being that way, why can't we love God that way? Why does it have to be because it was what we were taught and because of the rules and the religion? Why can't it be a response because when God created us in his image, he said, it is good. And he responded by saying, you're my children, and I'll take care of you. So much so that he died, so we might know life. It's our turn to respond. It's our turn to have that relationship. Now don't hear me preach this whole message and say that I don't think religion's important. But religion without Christ is rubbish. So tonight, maybe you're sitting in the pew and it's the same pew you sat in for 20 years and you've been at this church your whole life and you never missed Sunday school, but you've never really experienced the fullness of having a relationship with Christ. 
You've never understood what grace really is. You always thought you had to be this person. You always put on this front that you had it all together. My prayer for you tonight is that you'll realize Christ loves you right where you're at. And I pray that he'll radically move in your heart to accept that grace fully and then to respond. Maybe you're here tonight and you never even heard the story. You're here and your whole life you've hated church because all you ever thought it was was a bunch of rules and a bunch of people that were going to judge you for being broken, for being messed up, for not having your life together. Well, I hope you hear me tonight. We're all messed up. No one can get up this ladder. They couldn't do it then at the Tower of Babel, and we can't do it now. That's why he did it for us. Would you pray tonight that he comes into your life and radically changes you? Because when he does, the response will be in joy. You'll feel a sense of peace that you've never had. He'll free you from your doubts and from your past and no, it won't be easy every day, but you'll finally have a real strength and hope. So as he plays this song, you can respond in three different ways. You can bring your offering forward as a way of giving back to God what he's already given us. You can take communion, which is significant and symbolic of the cross and what he did for you. Or maybe you just need to come down to this altar and get on your knees and ask God to come into your heart. Even if you're the most religious of all, maybe that's the prayer you need to pray. God, fill me. Maybe for the first time in my life. I pray that you would come and not wait, but respond to whatever God's calling you to do. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a way to reach you. Thank you for showing us that on our own, we can't get there. On our own, we'll never be good enough. But your death on the cross makes us worthy. Your death on the cross has redeemed us. And because of that, we have an opportunity to live with you in heaven someday. And what a beautiful day that's going to be. God, I just pray for everyone in this room tonight that they'll have the courage to, to move. Whatever that looks like, whether that means inviting you into their heart for the first time, Lord, I pray that you will convict them to do that. Or if it means just radically accepting the grace and stop trying to live their life being perfect and following the rules and the laws and all of the religious tradition and just start responding, responding in love. Responding in such a way that they're sacrificial with their time, that it's not about them anymore, but it's about you because they love you. Because they know what you did for them on the cross. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.